if I think a bad thing, I'm probably going to do a bad thing. If I think a good thing, I'm probably going to do a good thing. But it all begins with a thought. Every action begins in my mind. Proverbs 4.23 Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Circle that word, shaped. Your thinking has tremendous power to shape your life. You know, maybe someone said something to you at some stage, like, you're no good at something, you know. Um, This person doesn't like you. You know, and then maybe you develop this fear that, oh, maybe people won't like me in a social situation or something like that. Just because they said it doesn't make it true. But if you took it on board, then it's still going to shape your life in that way. So we've got to be very careful what we take on board. A lot of the stuff we take on board as kids, but we still take on board stuff as adults. So our, we think our feelings shape our life, don't we? When, our, when something happens in our life, our emotions get to us. And then we feel like, oh no, the walls are closing in. My life is in despair right now. I'm really upset. But it doesn't actually really mean anything that bad. It just means your emotions are under attack. I'm not going to talk too much about emotions today. We're going to talk more about emotions next week. Pastor Teresa's going to do that. But our feelings don't run the show, or they shouldn't run the show. But we feel like they run the show. So let's just nip that one in the bud right now and say that our feelings do not run the show. Are we cool with that? Okay. Because they only come from our beliefs. Our feelings come from our beliefs. If I want to change my emotions, I have to change what I think about something. Okay. The second one. Why I must manage my mind. Because the mind is the battleground for sin. That's where the whole war takes place and that's where the battle is won or lost. Right there in the mind. It doesn't happen out there. We, we tend to think it happens out there. You know, something has confronted me. Something has come against me. But the real battle is always going to be in my mind. The real battle is always going to be in my brain. Okay? Now, all temptation begins in the mind. That's not something that that happens outside. Temptation is, is, is what happens inside here. Something wouldn't be so tempted. Um, okay, I've never been tempted to gamble. It's probably one of the few things I've never been tempted to do. But I've never been tempted to gamble. Why? It's just, I don't know. I just never found it that interesting. The desire was never there. So I don't have a problem with it. So... I can walk past the pokies all the time. In fact, I, I've sat there sometimes while my friends are on the pokies, you know, and I, I just don't feel like going on one. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them, but, but I just don't get tempted. Why? The desire is not there. It's right in front of me, but it's not inside me. The desire is not there. So all temptation begins in here. Okay. Romans chapter 7, 22 to 23. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. 
In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead, I find myself still enslaved to sin. Circle those words, war, fight, slave, and enslaved. Circle those words on your sheet. Write them down in your book. So there's what's happening here. There's a battle going on in your brain, and sometimes you're conscious of it, and sometimes you're not. But it wears you out. Because the truth is, this battle in your brain is going on all the time. It's a 24-7 fight. There's a battle for your mind right now. There's a battle for your mind when you leave the church. There's a battle for your mind tomorrow when you get up for work. And we call it Monday-itis. It's not Monday-itis. There's a battle in your brain. We have to be really important in the decisions we make because this fight isn't a once-off thing. The moment we said yes to Jesus, that wasn't, that doesn't, like, we've got to keep saying yes all the time to Jesus. That's what, that's what the fight looks like. doesn't mean I'm going to lose my salvation or anything, but it means there's always going to be things coming into my head and I'm going to have to fight to keep in control of my thoughts because we can keep in control of our thoughts. Okay. The reason this fight is so intense in your brain is because what gets your mind gets you. Your mind is your greatest asset. It's, it's what you choose to do good or evil with. So your mind is, it is very, very important. Okay. Satan wants to control your mind. Can he? Hallelujah, he cannot. He can throw suggestions. He can drop in little thoughts. He can give advice. <laughs> he can give criticism. He can, he can tell you to do the wrong thing. But ultimately, it's our choice whether or not we want to obey those thoughts or whether we want to entertain those thoughts. And can I just say, just because you think something doesn't make it true. Just because something comes into your head doesn't mean that it's who you are. So you don't need to accept that. No, I know that's a lie. That's, that's garbage. That's baloney. I don't need to give in to that. Just because you think something else about something about someone else doesn't make it true. Just because you think something about the church or the government or some other family or your job or your boss doesn't make it true. In fact, probably a lot of what we believe isn't actually true. We need to be humble and, and admit that. Who knows what God may teach us about things where we think we know everything? Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> And the third reason, because it's the key to peace and happiness. It's an internal condition. If my life is dependent on good things going on around me or how people are treating me, then I'm going to live life in a circle. It's got to start within. Okay. An unmanaged mind leads to stress, doesn't it? An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. It leads to anxiety, it leads to fear, it leads to anger, it leads to unforgiveness. An unmanaged mind leads to chaos, but a managed mind leads to security, it leads to peace, it leads to tranquility, it leads to strength, it leads to grace, it leads to joy. Even when things go wrong, joy is not dependent on circumstance. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. 
but the holy spirit but if the holy spirit controls your mind there is life and peace okay so now that we know that this is important to manage our mind how do we do this let's okay so so this this involves daily choices for a healthy mind and i'll give us i'll give us three i'll give us three daily choices for a healthy mind because it's easy to think that our our thoughts can be uncontrollable but our thoughts are absolutely controllable because god didn't just give us emotions he gave us a will not just the will to live or to have free will to do things with our life but free will to manage our mind free will to manage our our thinking our beliefs our emotions are subject to that and sometimes we think our life is chaotic because we've never really mastered this art of managing our mind and that's really all it comes down to in a lot of cases that's what we've got to learn to do we've got to learn to manage our mind okay does god control your mind does god control your mind no okay so if i pray <laughs> and i've prayed this before lord change what i'm thinking you know if if my mind is like sometimes in some real haywire moments and i say lord change what i'm thinking you know do you think god's going to change my mind you know he might he might throw some scriptures in there or something but god can't change my mind he can, here's what he says it's your mind you change it go on and think a different thought like it it's like changing the channel on the tv we can choose to watch something even though it's not good for us or we can just change the channel and watch something else But as soon as you like okay let me give you an example I don't know something's really tough you know someone in your family said something to you or you did something wrong and, and mistreated you know your, your your wife or your husband or your kid or or your parents or something like that and 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 it's tearing you up inside and and you know you're no good that's not true you know scripture straight away well you know a scripture that comes into your mind straight away that contradicts that say it out loud speak it out because it has power your words have power and when you speak scripture oh my goodness it's like in your brain in your mind it's like it instantly shuts that door that you've been entertaining and it opens this door and then you start walking along and the further you travel down that hallway the easier it gets and it still might try and pop into your head no i'm not listening to that thank you jesus are you with me come on let's choose to manage our mind. Let let's choose to think the right thing and when something comes on board that doesn't belong, let let's let's notice it and not just give it full access. Let's be on to it. Let's be aware. Okay. So for healthy thinking, we need to break away from self-destructive thought patterns. Okay? So so how do we do this? Let let let's go through some. Number 1. I must feed my mind on truth. What's truth? Come on, the word of God right there. Sometimes people say to me, "Jamie, I just don't feel like God's speaking to me." And it's like, when was the last time you read your Bible? And it's like, "Oh, I don't." And I'm like, "Two weeks ago, three weeks ago? No, I don't." Okay. It's time to read your Bible. Let's let's get on that. You know, let me let let me show you some stuff to read. Okay? God God won't speak to you if you're not reading the word. So, if How easy is it to start the day with despair? How easy is it to start the day saying it's not worth going into work? 
it's there's just too much going on. The people there are demons. <laughs> I've never said that. Of course. <laughs> you know, I'm no good. I'm going to fail. What's the point of even trying? I just downright suck. You know, like it's easy to start the day with despair. But then we allow that, when that comes in, we, we just let it run all over us and then it shapes the rest of our day. And then we really do have a bad day and then it reinforces our faith that the day was going to go bad to begin with. And so that's how our next day starts as well. So right from the get-go, we've got to start our day with hope instead of despair. We've got to say, you know what? God's mercy is in you every day and Jesus lives inside me. I don't care what today's going to bring. I'm going to get closer to Jesus I'm going to display his glory. It doesn't matter whether I'm good at things or not. That's just not important. I've got to die to myself. It's not about me. Come on. Let's start the day with hope. So we've been learning about physical health for the last week, haven't we? So by now we all know the importance of nutrition. Last week in our grow group, a bunch of the boys, <laughs> as soon as they left, Hungry Jacks, that's it. Hungry Jacks is where it's at right now. Just after we were talking for 20 minutes about how bad junk food was for you. Let's all go to Hungry Jacks. Yeah, great idea. No conviction. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was really good. But, um, but we all know the important... Like, when we put junk food in our body, we harm our body, don't we? But the same is true with our mind. If I'm feeding my mind rubbish, if I'm feeding my mind garbage, garbage then I'm going to think garbage thoughts. And I'm going to live a garbage life. That's, that's just the way it is. But if I feed my mind on truth, I'm going to live a really productive life. It's going to be righteous. It's going to be beneficial. Are you with me? Come on. <laughs> so a few months ago, I got, uh, I got pulled over. It was an RBT. We're driving up to it, and Hannah goes, you've got your license this time, haven't you? And I was like, of course I do, babe. (laughs) I wasn't sure. I did end up having it, I think. We'll leave that. Anyway, um, you know, they pulled us over, and they breath-tested me, and that was all good. And and one of the cops disappeared. He 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 went to the back of the car, right? And... And then he came back and I'm talking to the other cop and he comes and he's like, shines a torch on my face, boom. It's like, oh. And he's like, Jamie, can you please, you know, do you want to step out of your car for a second? I was like, for goodness sake, what have I done? <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no worries. It's cool, it's cool. Peace. And uh, I got out of the car and he's like, oh, come to the back of the car with me. And he walks me to the back of the car and he's like, run your fingers along the back tyre. And I was like, Whoa. You know, the, the wires were sticking out of the tyre, right? <laughs> it wasn't good. And I'm like, how did that happen? We got the car serviced like three months ago. They swapped the tyres around. They didn't say anything. They're like, yeah, I, I wasn't going to blame my mechanic and, and my mechanic didn't do anything wrong, but I hadn't been checking my tyres, you know? And, and he goes back to his car and, and we're talking to the other cop for a while and, and we got to talk about church and Jesus and some really cool things and that was really nice. And... Um, but, you know, I still got fined like 110 bucks. But it was a good night. And, um, 
And he comes back and, and he's talking to me and he handed me the fine and everything. And, and, and they were really gracious. They were really great. And, he, and, uh, and they let us drive home and said, look, get it into a mechanic tomorrow. You know? um, so they let us go. Um, but they said, look, you'd be fine for maybe a week or two. But if, if you were to do a trip to Melbourne or something, you might not make it with the way your tyres are. Like, they were that bad. They were bad. It wasn't just a little bit of wire sticking out. It was bad. <laughs> and I was so thankful that I got busted. Because, I mean, it may have saved my life. And he goes, Jamie, what you need to do is just maybe once a month, just before you get in the car, just run your fingers on your tyre and see how it feels. You know, and if you notice anything, you get them changed straight away. And I'm like, no one's ever told me that before. <laughs> like, it's just such a simple thing. It's, it's just so simple. But I'd never thought of it. You know, so if we don't know what the right thing is to do, we're not going to do the right thing and we're going to get ourselves into trouble. So we need the best instructions on how to live. And the best instructions for our mind is this right here. This is the soul food to life. This is the instruction manual to our life. We need the Word of God all the time. Okay. People need more than bread for their life. Hallelujah. They must feed on every word of God. Amen? This is good stuff. So when should I feed my mind on truth? Someone tell me. Every day. All the time. What I used to do was I would have a really big devotion in the morning. Right? My devotions are pretty undisciplined. I can go for ages and I just don't need to. So I'd, I'd do a really big devotion in the morning, but then I wouldn't really spend any time with God throughout the day. I wouldn't really be... I, I'd just go about my day, like as if it's a normal day. That wasn't really healthy. Do you think it's very good to have a, a huge breakfast and then not eat for the rest of the day? It's not very good for you. It's, it's just not very good. In fact, dietitians say... <laughs> she's not there. They would gener- they, they'll say not even... Three big meals a day is, is really as good as having you know, six smaller meals throughout the day. It, it's almost like a constant eating, but you're just not overeating. You're just eating small amounts throughout the day constantly. The Word of God is the same. Dwell on it all the time. You don't need to smash out a huge revelation in the morning and go, Glory, Jesus, and then spend the rest of your day doing whatever you want to do without spending any time with God. No, mull over on the Word of God throughout the day. Mull over on Jesus' truths. Think about godly things throughout the day. Come on, whatever is noble, whatever is peaceful, think about such things. Just keep doing it throughout the day. If you're constantly feeding your mind on truth, the lies won't have anywhere to stay. You're constantly feeding your word on truth. Your mind will be renewed. That's how mind renewal works. Choose truth instead of lies. Because if there's not truth there, lies have access. That's the, the devil waits for opportune times. If you're always thinking about truth, there's never really an opportune time to attack you. So when he does, you're on guard straight away and you're like, bugger off. Okay. Psalm 119.147. I rise early to cry out for help. This is King David, and that's prayer right there. I rise early to cry out for help and to put my hope in your words. That's Bible study. How cool is that? Do you know there's over 7,000 promises in this book? Over 7,000. That's, that's like seven, 
almost seven times more than there are chapters, basically. There's over, a thousand, there's over 1,100 chapters, but there's over 7,000 promises. This thing is riddled with promises. So if I'm feeling hopeless, I'm not spending enough time in the Word of God. I need to read it. Come on. Lord, how I love your word. I think about it all day long. I love it. Even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. How do we, how do we think when life gets tough? You know, do we, Are we meditating on the word of God or are we thinking about our situation? Are we thinking about the storm? Okay, Psalm 119.95, this one is really cool. When wicked people hide to ambush and kill me, I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. Now, I think David was an authority on this area because Saul was trying to kill him for a fair few years. He would often wake up wondering if he was going to live throughout the day. So his life style was an anxious lifestyle. But he says, my mind quietly reflects on your decrees. You know? Okay. Number two. I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Freeing your mind from destructive thoughts isn't easy because we have three enemies. So what are these three enemies? The first enemy is the old nature. It's the the fleshly thinking. It's, okay, so my old nature is actually dead. It's been crucified with Christ, but, but my mind still tends to think that way. So that's, that's got to change. That's got to transform to the new nature. Remember in the first week, Pastor Steve said, you'll either be conformed or you'll be transformed. You'll either be conformed to the old nature and you'll be conformed to the world or you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the Spirit. Okay. Romans 7.23 says, I see in my body a principle at war with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells inside of me. So this is war language that Paul is using. I have a question. Have you ever knowingly engaged in self-defeating behavior? Like, you know what the right thing is to do, but you think, I I know this is good for me, and I know this is bad for me, but... You know, there's that but again. It's always a big but that stops us from doing the right thing. I know this is bad for me, but... Tastes good. Whoops. Well, yeah, that's the second enemy, but let's just go back for a second. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So when I have a good intention in my life, my old nature is going to battle me on it. I've got to fight through it. So the second enemy we saw is Satan. Now we said before that Satan can't control your mind, but he can make suggestions. He can, he can throw some real curveballs at, at your mind. 
but he can't control your mind. Now, he does this constantly, and he can use anything. He can, he can plant thoughts in your head directly, or he can use the television. He can use um, a family member. He can use someone you don't even know. He can use a song. He can use a movie. He can use any kind of circumstance. He, he can do it in lots of ways. Okay? So if a thought comes into your mind, I mean, sometimes we don't really know. Sometimes it may be from the devil. Sometimes it may be just our old nature. Sometimes we just don't know. But that's okay because it's still a lie. So if it's not truth, it's not truth. It doesn't matter. It's not important. We can still tell it to bugger off. We can still stand for truth. How are we doing? Is this making sense? Okay. 2 Corinthians 2.11. I've forgiven that man so that Satan won't outsmart us. Do you know that unforgiveness is a plot from hell? If I've got unforgiveness in my life towards anybody, I'm giving in to the devil's trap. Paul tells us to be aware of the enemy's schemes. We're supposed to be. Forgiveness is really important. It means I'm being free from the wiles of Satan. So our first enemy is the flesh and the second enemy is the devil. The third enemy is the world's value system. How much in the world encourages self-discipline? None. Like... I know there's, I know there's, there are there are areas of self-discipline, right? But ultimately, if it's not founded in Christ, it's an idol. That's the truth of the matter. And even that in itself is a small percentage. Not much in the, the just turn on the TV. <laughs> you need this. You're not. You haven't lived until you've had this. You know, so many brands. You know, just encourage. Live decadently. Treat yourself. Mountain Dew. Obey your thirst. Like you're an animal or something. And we all know Nike. Just do it. Just do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. Give in. So the world's value system is, is, is promoted in all sorts of ways. It's, prom- it's promoted in brands. It's promoted in movies. It's promoted with celebrities and songs and all kinds of things. But we're not called to be like the world, are we? We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. 1 John 2.16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, which is sex, the lust of the eyes, that's income. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. And the pride of life, that's success and that's status. Okay, that's, that's not from the Father, that's of this world. Okay, so we've got three enemies. And when I say it like that, and we just go through that, it all seems a little bit overwhelming, doesn't it? You know, that's a lot to talk about right there. So how do we fight this stuff? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Circle that word. We demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive 
every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, so what's a stronghold? A fortified position. That's pretty cool. In this case, the fortified position is a lie that I believe. It is a lie that I believe. That's what a stronghold is. It could be anything. It could be, God really doesn't love me. Jesus didn't pay for all my sins. Like, you know, when you just can't forgive yourself of something that you did, as if Jesus' blood isn't good enough. Jesus, Jesus didn't forgive me of that. A stronghold might be nobody really loves me. Or I'm not capable of love. A stronghold might be uh, a value system. It might be, sorry, I was looking out there, someone stole my hat. <laughs> it might be materialism, where, where money is the most important thing and, and having things are the most important thing. That's a stronghold. It might be a religion. It might be, God isn't real, so I can do whatever I want. That's a stronghold. It might be an attitude. I'm not going to forgive that person. They don't deserve it. They need to come and apologize to me first. That's what my forgiveness depends upon. That's a stronghold. So if you're going to be mentally healthy, you're going to have to demolish strongholds in your life because behind every sin is a lie that you believe. Satan is the father of lies and he will enslave you. Jesus says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how do we demolish strongholds? How do we fight this mental battle? Still got the scripture up there? Yeah. Okay, so when it says we take captive, the, the phrase for that is a kamalo tizo. And it, it literally means like to conquer a country, you know, to, to capture something, to lay hold of it. And then the next part, to make it obedient to Christ, <laughs> that's hupakoe. Everyone say hupakoe. Okay, that means bring it into submission. Okay, so we, we capture the thought and we bring it into submission. We expose it for what it is. If it's a contradiction to the Word of God, bring in the Word of God. Come on. So my, <laughs> my thoughts often disobey me. You know, I can be praying and I can, I can just think of all sorts of things. Like, I just don't want to pray, you know. But I'm going to share this example. Sometimes when I say, Hannah, like if she gets home, Hannah, give me a kiss. It just doesn't really seem that simple. <laughs> so she'll give me a kiss. She'll give me a kiss. And then right in the middle of it, she'll say, I just remembered. I need to put the clothes on the line. I just remembered. We need to pay this bill. We need to pack for next week. We need... <laughs> It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Just, just, just enjoy kissing me. <laughs> like, you got a good memory. I'm glad I can jog it. I'm glad I can remind you of things. It's just a touch. I've got the magic touch, but come on, just, just enjoy it. <laughs> our, our mind, we all do it, right? Our minds tend to wander. I'm probably going to be in trouble later, but you know what? This is the word of God. 
<laughs> so what's this passage saying here? You have a choice. Your mind has to listen to you. It's not going to listen to anybody else. Your mind's got to listen to you. Are we in agreement? Man, let's bring our minds in order. Let's choose to bring our mind in order, not wait for some other saviour because Jesus has already conquered it all. This is why so many of us, we, we feel ineffective in life. We, we, we fail things in life. We, we don't feel like we have a good grasp on things because we just haven't learned how to, to manage our mind. It's really that simple. So let's talk about temptation for a moment. Because that's a big one. That, that really sends us down the, the, the deep path, doesn't it? So temptation, how does it work? Go to the book of James. James is always good. Chapter 1. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. There's our thoughts turning into actions. And then the evil actions lead to death. That's the end result. You know when someone says, uh, I don't know how it just happened. It just happened. It took me by surprise. And so I gave into it. You know, I didn't know what to do in the situation. They were all doing this and they said, do you want to come along? I said, oh, okay. And, and then I went and did it. I didn't know how it happened. The truth is they gave into a lot of things before they chose to do that. It's not, a, it's not a one-off thing. Temptation doesn't just spring upon you like that. It's a process. It takes time. And it happens in four stages. So the first one is Desire. Now, are desires bad? No? No, they're not. Um, We all desire sleep. We desire food. We desire sex. We desire fun. We desire achievement. We desire success. Nothing's wrong with any of those things. They're all really good. They're great stuff. They're all given by God. They're they're, they're natural desires. That's the way God wired us. But when when any of those desires turns into a runaway desire, that's when it goes bad. When it becomes our most important thing and we forsake biblical principles, when we forsake all other things for the sake of that runaway desire, that's when it's sin. There's nothing wrong with sleep, but there's something wrong with being a sluggard. The Bible says a lot about that. There's nothing wrong with sex, but outside of the context of marriage, it's a bad thing. It's very destructive. There's nothing wrong with food, but there's something wrong with being a glutton. All of desires are good things. Natural desires are a good thing. Sometimes we can desire things that aren't good as well. But natural desires are a good thing. But let's, let's keep them within a godly balance. Amen? Okay. The next one is doubt. So we've gone from, you know, uh, so we're going down the path of a runaway desire here. And then what happens is you... You're being tempted with this thing. What starts to happen? You start to doubt. You start to doubt two things. What do you doubt? You doubt that God loves you and you doubt that he knows what's best. That's what you doubt. I don't even 
know if you always consciously think that, but deep down, that's, that's what's going on. Did God really say that you need to forgive that person? Did God really say love your enemies? You know, all these sorts of things. Did God really say, you know, come on, be reasonable? So let's, yeah, let's go back to the Garden of Eden in paradise, where Adam and Eve had no clothes and no kids. Man, we got shortchanged, didn't we? <laughs> oh, thank God the kids aren't in here right now. Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? Straight away he's restricting what God said, as if God didn't give them the freedom to eat from literally anything in the garden and just make it all about this one tree. Really? You can't eat from that tree? Did he really say that? What's going on there? He's putting doubt in Eve's mind. Mind you, he went for the weak one because she's not the one who heard the instruction in the first place. Adam had to share it with her. So she's heard it secondhand. So he's picked her. What a sneaky fiend. Straight away, he's sowing doubt into her mind. God knows that if you eat of it, you'll be as smart as he is. What's he doing there? He's getting her to doubt that God loves her. So when we give in to temptation, we're believing a lie. We think we know better than God about what is best for us. So we've gone from, we've started at desire, we've gone to doubt. Now next we go to deception. So Satan replaces God's truth with his lie. And he says, you won't really die. Even though God said in eating it, in dying you will die. God doesn't mess about. He tells you the truth about sin. But the devil says, no, you won't die. You'll become like God. Back in James chapter 1, the word says, I am lured. You know, it's a fisherman's term. Now, who here loves fishing? I love it so much. But I am rubbish at fishing. I have more luck swimming after the fish than throwing a line in. However, even though I am a garbage fisherman, I know the difference between putting some food on a hook and just throwing the hook in and expecting a fish to bite it. I know that difference. I learned it on YouTube. <laughs> You'll never catch a fish with a bare hook, do you? You've got to make something nice. A bit of cheese sprayed with some garlic spray. Oh! The difference between a really shiny lure that catches, captures the sunlight and it's got all the colours and, and a really dull lure. My question is, what sort of lure does the devil use on you that catches you every single time? And you always give in to it. What's that lure? It gets you all the time. And we often, we know it's a hook, don't we? We know it's wrong and we keep on nibbling. We keep, oh yeah, this is really good. This, that's the deception phase. This is worth it. This isn't going to bite me in the end. I'm not going to end up on a barbecue. Okay. You won't if you're carved. Okay. 
The last stage is disobedience and defeat. You have given into it. You've followed the process. You've done it. You've gone from desire to doubting God's word and his love to deception. I'm believing the lie that Satan's told me. Now we've disobeyed and we've sinned. We're defeated. So my attention becomes the way I think, which means it becomes my attitude. And my attitude becomes my fantasy. You'll always find your fantasy, by the way. One way or another, you'll always find it. So after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and the end result is death. We've heard that verse before. Write this down. What I flirt with, I'll fall for. How dangerous would is flirting in the office? You know that it's silly, and sometimes you still... I'm not saying anyone in here does it, gosh. <laughs> but how dangerous is it? It's not going to lead anywhere good. So you're free to make choices in life, but we're not free from the consequences of those choices. We're free, but once we make the choice, we're no longer free. And we can't complain when we're on the other side of our choice. How does life end up like this? Well, let's change our life by changing the way we think. Hallelujah. Okay. Number three, I must focus my mind on the right things. What are the right things? I will give us three things. That will make the most difference to our mental state. Number one, think about Jesus. Hebrews 12.3 says, Think about Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. Think about what Jesus went through. Think about Jesus all the day long. Number two, think about others. Philippians 2.4 says, Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. <clears throat> my life is not about me. Jesus told me to die to myself. He told me to lay it down for others. He told me that uh, he who is great in the kingdom of God is he who serves. I've got to think less about myself. Let's put other people first. Let's love God and love other people. And by the way, the best place to practice that is in your small group, in your grow group during the week. Your grow group is the place to learn how not to be selfish. <laughs> because sometimes there's that one person in that group that you've got to learn to love. Amen? <laughs> and that's why grow groups are the life of the church. If we have strong grow groups, we have a strong church. Come on. We have strong grow groups when we put ourselves aside for each other and pray for each other. So we think about Jesus, we think about others, and we think about eternity. God's placed it in our hearts. Colossians 3, 2 says, Set our minds on things that are above, not on earthly things, or not on things that are here on earth. That'll make a huge difference to our mental state. Because our thinking tends to be short term. We're always thinking about this life and what's going to happen tomorrow, but we're not thinking about eternity. Let me tell you something. When you start thinking about eternity, all of your problems are going to seem so insignificant. It's like you get from the stage of you don't need victory in every little tiny circumstance. And, you know, testimonies and victories are good, 
But if I'm going to focus on every single one of those and I need victory in every single one of these things, my life is still going to be subject to circumstance, even if God is doing good things in my life. But if I recognize that I've got all of eternity and that my mind is on heavenly things instead of earthly things, I'm going to take all of those and I'm going to scrape them into the trash like a bunch of food scraps. I'm not going to worry about them anymore. And that's a huge victory. I'm not subject to it anymore. Circumstance will no longer rule my life. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love Him. Come on. Let's think about eternity. Let's think about Jesus. Let's think about others, and let's think about eternity. Amen. Okay. Let's pray. And I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Okay. I'll invite the band back up now. Let's pray. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you've given us control over our own thinking. And that lie that we think we don't, we break it in the name of Jesus right now. Let's just say that. I have control over the way I think. Thank you, Jesus. Lead us in freedom. Let us think about you all the day long. Let us think about others all the day long and let us think about eternity all the day long. Lord, may we feed our mind on your truths every single day. May we be free from destructive thoughts more and more. Renew our minds, Lord God, and change the way we think. Lord, and as we go about our daily devotions this next week on mental health and as we go to our grow group and discuss these things, lead us into greater truths and deeper intimacy with you, Jesus. Change the way we live. Change the way we think, God. We submit ourselves to you and help us to be aware of this battle that's going on. But, Lord, we thank you that it is not in our strength, but it is by your grace that we have victory. We thank you so much, Lord God. Have your way in our lives. Bless every person here. May we all have a week going from strength to strength and glory to glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said...